You're listening to Delving Into Dance. Welcome to episode 5 of season 2. Today's interview is with New Zealand-born Sydney-based dance artist Sue Healy. Sue moved to Australia in 1983 to start dance at the VCA, where she now holds the position of honorary fellow. Sue's work crosses forms and explores the sense of place, documenting different human experiences through movement and film. Her work increasingly taking place outside of traditional theatre spaces, including a recent installation at the Wynyard Station on a purpose-built 20-metre art screen, passed by 30,000 people a day. This conversation covers a range of topics, including working in film, dance, and the social value. With Sue's foray into interviewing, I started by asking, what makes a good interview? I have no idea how to really conduct one. But those that I have conducted, I love. And I must admit, it came incredibly easy. Um, What makes a good interview? I guess being genuinely interested in the person who you're interviewing. (laughs) And, you know, if I'm thinking about making virtuosi, that was such a joy to, to connect with these people around the world in their own places as artists and try and get under their skin. You know, it was an incredible opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I guess, um, yeah, I was genuinely interested in them and it felt like a privilege you know, to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I loved it. I love that. So that's given me confidence, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, as I now sit behind the camera often and ask people to tell me things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like you, I am interested in how we talk about dance because, you know, A, I think many people are scared about it, they don't really understand it, and, and B, we don't often really get to uncover it or mm. talk about it much, do we? No. Well, it's also <laughs> a physical art form, so to put it into yeah. Yeah. To words for many people is either difficult or yeah. they have no desire to put it into words yes, because it speaks right. for itself. That's right. Yeah. started getting interested in that because of one of my mentors, uh, Professor Shirley McKechnie, you know, who showed me, you know, in the latter part of her uh, career that she really wanted to uncover these questions. And, you know, that was so inspiring to see someone like Shirley ask these questions that so many of us had just taken for granted throughout mm-hmm. our, you know, early careers and um, so I really have to thank Shirley for that. You know, she she opened my eyes to yeah the importance of somehow communicating these ideas about dance. Do you get better with it over time? Um, I hope I do. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope so. Uh, and because I'm often sitting with 
scientists rather than artists, I'm often having to talk about the value of dance to people who really have never even thought about it um, and whose worldviews are you know, so much more you know, on life and death issues. <laughs> um, so that's been, that's, that also has kind of challenged me and kind of forced me to become a little bit, well, to become a lot better at it than I was mm. in my youth. What is the value? Yeah. Of dance? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I find myself saying, you know, to, to someone who knows nothing about it, you know, I, the value of dance is, is that it is utterly human. You know, it is, it's, it is vital human research that we undertake through movement. You know, without movement we are, you know, nothing. We're dead. Mm. You know, life is about movement and, and our species communicates through movement. Um, so, yeah, I like to, I, do, I must admit, and I'm affected by living with a biologist, you know, um, I can't help but see the world through his lens sometimes. Mm. And, you know, movement, dance is, and communication in that way is, has been essential to our um, success, I guess, as a species. Yeah. You know, on one level. <laughs> yeah. But it's tricky, though, I think, in this day and age when arts funding and funding full yeah. stop for everything, including science, and yeah. there's more competition for a range of mm. different things to articulate that value and why should 10 people in a studio yeah. running around to music um, yes. be funded? Yeah. Um, and how do you communicate that inherent value yeah. and social value t- to that practice? It's really tricky. It is tricky. And, you know, we as artists, we have to, I believe, take that responsibility on to try and make it known that, you know, what we do has, okay, it's often an, unsp- an, an unspoken value, but, uh, I don't know, it has credit somehow. Mm. And if you experience it, you can feel that credit <laughs> in your life. You know, you can feel the benefit of it. You can, um, oh, I don't know. Look, I am a firm believer that, that the arts and dance in particular can make this world a better place, you know. I mm. strongly believe it. Um, and, yeah, it's a matter of finding new ways to describe that, mm. I think. And also that ability to be touched by a work or touched by yeah. something on a deeper, uh, you know, a, a deep level yeah. is not something you can rearticulate to different people unless you've had that experience yourself. So mm. it's like... You can put figures on it and finances and all these other kind of stuff, but that ability to touch somebody on a deep level is, yeah, it's profound. It is, absolutely. And you can't really necessarily communicate that to somebody unless they've had that experience themselves. Yeah, true. But, you know, as the world gets crazier, you know, as it is, it becomes even more important, I think, that we have these... We, that we try and set up these profound moments of 
of attention and of realization and awareness yeah. as to you know what it is to be human. Uh, yeah. Can we go back to the start? Yeah. Where did your dance journey kind of start? <laughs> um, I guess it started with my mum. You know, she was a dancer. That was her worldview. It's all she ever really wanted to do. So I was able to kind of soak that in in my youth and got to university and started a science degree because that's what I was good at. That's what I thought I would be doing. I'd always danced throughout my childhood but never really thought I could do it. Um, this is in New Zealand. There was not a lot of contemporary dance places to study. Mm. There was amazing contemporary dance there. But I, I knew I had to come to Australia to, to broaden my horizons there and came to the VCA. And really, from day one at the VCA, I realised, yeah, this was right. This was the place that I could, uh, yeah, keep investigating, keep finding, yeah, my place in this world. Yeah. Of dance, so yeah, really from day one, it was meeting someone there, Nanette Hassel, who was my key teacher, and she just opened my eyes to the fact that I could be a maker as well as a doer, you know. So it was the actual the craft of choreography that immediately I can almost say from day one, I knew that that's what I needed to do. Yeah, wow. I think of um, a few people who have. The path has either been science or dance. Yeah. Uh, Gideon's an example of that. Right. And I'm going blank. Somebody else, but they there's a fork in the road. It's yeah. like either science or dance, and they seem yeah. so um, different as disciplines. Yeah, they are, but there are there's many similarities as well. You know, maths was my interest. So you know, as soon as I started to realise that the similarities in, in in structure and sequences and you know. Um, choreographic spatial play there are so many similarities between the two my problem was that I just couldn't imagine how I would work as a scientist I, you know, I couldn't see it I had complete lack of vision there I guess <laughs> but um, yeah but I found it through through dance um, you documented the experiences of New Zealanders that have left to kind of pursue opportunities around the world. Yeah. Um, did you feel like that they were kind of in some ways telling your story, like <laughs> that looking for other opportunities outside of the limited options that were in New Zealand? Uh, look, I think, you know, as I was making that film, which was a very big project for me, took several years um, or more, as I was making it, so many people would say to me, why aren't you putting yourself in this? You know, why aren't you, why isn't there you know, your own story within there? And I, I had no desire to do that and no intention of ever doing it. It felt utterly unnecessary. Because, to come back to your question, yes, I feel like I was asking these amazing eight artists questions that I've always asked myself. Mm. And so... Uh, I didn't need to put myself in it because, yeah, I'm living it vicariously through them, yeah. um, uh, which was a really interesting thing for me to 
realise at the end of the process. I hadn't realised it during it. There's a sense of almost longing in a lot of those people, mm. you know, that you include in their narratives, just yeah. in like these little snippets, yeah. wherever they are in the world, you know, they're carrying that piece of New Zealand yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, do you long for New Zealand? Yeah, always have. You know, I've been homesick from the day I left, but, you know, you create your, your new home along the way and, and Australia has been fantastic for me and, and my family is now here, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's still that yearning for that your homeland. I think anyone who migrates to another place, that that sense of home is always with you, yeah. your first home. Um, yeah, which I find a really interesting thing to dwell on, and to uh, so much of my work has that 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 feeling to it I think the importance of place mm. the importance of the space that you inhabit now or in the past or even what you might imagine for the future yeah um, the sense of place is really crucial to I think all of my work yeah I was thinking of um, it's the golds isn't it yeah yeah um, and their sense of place. So yeah. for people who haven't seen it, it's over 65s kind of people in their retirement years or older years um, exploring dance and exploring movement for some of them the first time and connecting with their body and yeah. um, I guess all those different things that dance can mean for different people, the social aspects, the health aspects, yeah. and that place in their life, which for many they were um, kind of looking towards the end of their life, yeah. not necessarily um, embracing it, yes. that idea of um, death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but by joining the Golds, you know, by suddenly devoting their lives to dance, they can, it becomes a very social space as well. So yeah. it's about how they communicate with each other as this, I mean, they all talk about the camaraderie that they experience in this company yeah. and you know so that that's the space that you share um, as dancers is oh, it's magic yeah. you know that is that is one of the magic magical things about being a dancer it is purely it, utterly a social art form yeah. you can't do it alone you can't be a choreographer alone in a studio by yourself you can try, but it's hard. Yeah, it is essentially, by its very nature, you know, this this um, social art form that needs people. Yeah, and needs people to communicate with each other. There's a beautiful quote by um, one of them that talks about um, dance being perceived as for young people. Yeah, yeah, and they completely dispelling that myth. Yeah. Um, but what is it about dance that kind of assumes able-bodied, mm. young, mm. coordinated, flexible, Yeah, um, that makes it, I guess, inaccessible to so many people yeah. or something that they can't necessarily participate in. Yeah. Well, look, in a lot of my recent work, I'm trying to focus on this, that you know, showing that dance is not only for the young and that it's not only for a particular body type and for, a, you know, uh, I think it's... I don't know. I am on a bit of a mission <laughs> to show the, that 
variance is really important. <laughs> that difference is, you know, vital to our species. And um, yeah, so why is it? I guess it's just why is it that it's become a young person's thing? I don't know. I guess we just love a certain sort of beauty, don't we? Mm. A certain aesthetic. We're forced into it, you know, commercially to think that, you know, once you're the, even the age of 30, you're old. Mm. Um, but yeah, more and more I'm working with dancers who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and hundreds. You know, I'm working with Eileen Kramer now, who is a living legend. She's 102. And she was in the first Bowdoin visa, the first contemporary dance company in Australia, the Bowdoin Visa Ballet. And she's 102 and dances every day of her life and is a true artist still at her age. And, I mean, you can say she's an inspiration and it's, it's a complete understatement. But, uh, yeah, no, you can say I'm on a mission to, to just show the value of this, that... Mm. that as we go through our lives that we have to keep inventing and keep reinventing ourselves and keep creating mm. so did i answer your question yeah, yeah. there's a beautiful that um the man in the gold who compares um dancing and moving to riding his motorbike yeah yeah and the leaning and yeah. the I just, it was a very profound moment. Yes. You know, he's, he's got this comparison to a practice that I wouldn't put together yeah. any day, you yeah. know. But for him, that feeling of leaning in a bike and going around corners yeah. is similar to that experience he's now got on the stage or in, I mean, that in the is context just of dance. So amazing to hear him say that, isn't it? Because, I mean, that, that, illustrates to a non-dancer, someone who has never danced before, that there, this, this awareness of physicality can, it can be so poetic and it can give you this incredible sense of freedom. He talks about freedom, doesn't mm. he? That, um, that dance now gives him. And, you know, it's so important not to be trapped in our bodies as we age, mm. you know, and as more and more people become sedentary, even at a young age, you know, tied to their computers. Um, oh, yeah, it's just so important. Yeah, and it's so refreshing too because it wasn't about getting it right. Oh, yeah. There was oh, no yeah. right or oh, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It was about exploring and doing what is possible with your own body. Yeah, in relation to others. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's key. It's, again, back to that sense of social, the social quality that we have mm. I, lo I love the I mentioned it before but that sense of aging that was also not portrayed in a light of extreme positivity you know like mm. as you're getting old it's great and yeah, things yeah. That, you know the golden years yeah. and that kind of stuff <laughs> when that woman says something like I'm getting towards the end of the line and it's horrible or yeah. something yeah um, and it's confronting yeah you know yeah I really sits oh, with you I know and I love her saying that but then in the next breath she'll say well you know but I'm still doing it you know and I, it, it still gives me so much in my life so yeah sure I'm going to die but 
I'm going to enjoy every moment while I can yeah. and dance it out. Do you dread getting up? Uh, I must admit, having Eileen Kramer as a friend now, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm ever feeling I need to, you know, kind of reinvent myself, I go around and see her. She's become my neighbour. Oh. So she lives by herself and I see her almost every day. And, you know, no, she's, she's shown me that as long as you keep creating, as long as you, you know, try something new every day, then that's great. That's a good life. Yeah. She's extraordinary. Can we talk about making dance for screen? Mm. Um, yeah. Because that's... Because I do a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, screen, I guess, frees you up in many ways because you've yeah. got the ability to edit and... Yeah shift things and change things. Yeah, and, infinitely. And do a hundred takes or yeah, whatever. But an infinite play with time and space, you know, in ways that I can't do as a live choreographer on a limited budget with only a few dancers in a small space, you know. Uh, yeah, film has just freed things for me and taught me how to see things so much more differently and more deeply. Um, yeah. I love it, and I will be doing this until the day I die, I know. Um, there are so many, well, there are infinite subjects to make films about, you know. Uh, but I guess at the heart of it, I'm a filmmaker because I am a choreographer. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that I bring, or I hope that I bring something different to cinema that because of this, mm. um, because of my attention to to detail of movement because of gesture because of uh, my particular I don't know my particular love for structure choreographic structure but trying to put that into a cinematic world um, yeah I find incredibly interesting you do it in a way too that keeps the liveliness of the body yeah, I think well, I hope so. That's the key that's, thing. Yeah, it must be such a challenge for something that is traditionally in person yeah. to then put that into a way that the body still seems very live and accessible yeah. and um, you can still read the meanings. And, and fleshy and, yeah. you know, that you can still feel it. Yeah. Sure, I mean, that is key. And, you know, I'm still trying to... Every, every film I make, I'm still trying to solve it because it's... It is actually an unsolvable problem because it's not a live body. You know, mm. it, is, it, it is this... Um, well, you're dealing with technology, you're dealing with artifice, but how to, how to make that real and, and fleshy and still breathe and still um, have feelings, mm. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a very difficult problem. How do you do it? Like, yeah. Do you have some techniques, or do you have ways that you kind of think have, about it when you're working? I have. You know, you develop um, solutions to various problems. I have to say, my the key solution is working with a cinematographer, Judd Overton. <laughs> he is he's central to all of my recent films. We've made ten major films together now, and it really is that relationship between the cinematographer and myself that enables this to, to truly happen. 
Um, so it's the way he captures, it's the way he places the camera in relation to the body. Mm. It's the way he moves that around the body. So it becomes this duet between the, the camera and the subject, the dancing subject, whatever, or whoever that is. Um, so that's one, one key solution or, or, or element that I have to consider. Um, and he, of course, brings incredible knowledge of light. Light is, is another key thing. Mm. How it enables us to see the subject. Um, and then, of course, it's the edit, which, you know, is my passion. I truly feel that, you know, it, the edit is the, is the choreography. Mm. So it's then how I place one image next to the other and, and how those images speak to each other that becomes the, yeah, that becomes the aliveness. It's, it's the rhythm, it's the, it's the breath, it's the, the duration from one to the other um, that brings that, I don't know, yeah, brings the humanness to it, mm-hmm. hopefully. How long does it take to edit? Do you spend hours and oh, hours, hours and, and hours, and but I love months. it, you know, I, it's, you know, I love it, you know. My partner said once when I was editing Virtuosi, it's like, because that took me a long time. That took a year. Um, yeah, I'm like a pig in swill. <laughs> I love it. You know, that feeling of just being, you know, you're immersed in this mess. You don't really know how you're going to make sense of it, but just the immersion of... Um, you allow yourself to become completely immersed in it and slowly but surely you make sense of it. How do you know and when I it's love done? That. Um, like, is there a moment where you go, okay, <laughs> I could keep playing forever, yeah, yeah, but I yeah, need yeah. to stop? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, you can. The, that is a danger. You want to keep tweaking it, keep playing with it. And, of course, the colour grade is a major thing where, yeah, you could play with colour <laughs> till the cows come home. But, uh, no, there comes an end point where you have to hand it over to someone. So, yeah. Yeah. The time... Can we talk about en route? Yeah. A 20-metre screen Yeah. with 30,000 people going past every day. Yeah. What is such a transient space? Yeah. Such a challenge. Yeah. What is it like making a yeah. work for a place that is so... Yeah. Uh, such a thoroughfare? Yeah. And we weren't able to see the space. My film opened that space, so I actually had never even seen what that space would be like. So, yeah, it was a massive challenge, but it was a spatial challenge, and, you know, and I just took that on. It was so exciting to do that project. Mm. Um, We were given given a beautiful brief for it, too. It was very open, um, but completely down my alley you know it was the brief was something like our relationship with time and place <laughs> which you know is, is everything that I do so but I've also always loved railroads so I decided to place all my dances on abandoned railroads across New South Wales and just making that decision at the beginning was just it was magical because I suddenly found incredible locations, you know, out out in the snowy mountains or 
in these amazing rainforests south of Sydney and you know a tunnel down there that was just incredible um, so the spaces were evocative in themselves but then to you know kind of envisage that it was going to be placed in this brand new railway station location with busy commuters you know trying to my task was how do I slow them down how do I actually get them to look mm. you know and I don't know how successful I was um, because a lot of those commuters are stuck looking at their phones as they walk by and it was just fascinating once it was all up once the um, installation was up just it was fascinating to go and sit there and watch how people interacted who actually even looked at the screen um, yeah it was amazing to see just how many people don't even look up from their phone. The people, did people stop? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And certainly those that stopped were, you know, I would love watch to watch their um, reactions to it. And yeah, it was fantastic to see that. Um, and so I think I, look, I think I was quite successful in the end because the, the imagery that I chose to put up there, it's very slow, it's ultra slow motion. Yeah. So I'm trying to get people to slow down and just take time out of their commute. Um, and the use of the bodies and the really distinct places. Yes. You know, that tunnel was one of my, yeah. you know, and the rainforest. Yeah. I was wondering where that was because it was yeah. stunning. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, but the body and the landscape and the body and space is something really relaxing about yeah yeah those kind of images yes my 102 year old dancer Eileen was in that as well you know so to have someone also I had many different ages within it so it was fantastic to use the you know the railway lines as these you know portals to the past or the future you know these I've always loved lines um, structurally I just love the image of a line so mm -hmm. Um, yeah, look, it was a great project and, you know, funded well and funded by Transport for New South Wales, which is so great to be funded by someone other than, you know, the Australia Council or, you know, local funding bodies. To actually be funded by a non-arts body yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. I, lo I would have loved to have seen it in the placement because there's really something about a train station that also speaks of point A and point B. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, to work, from work, running late, rushing, trains coming, and then to have something that actually commands or asks you or invites you to slow down and stop yeah. is so beautiful. Yeah. And I was thinking when you're talking about looking down on screens and stuff, yeah. you know, I find myself doing that all the time. Yeah. And there's so, all, so many screens and ads all around you that for some, yeah. that moving image we switch off from. Yeah. Um, I think as this space, as this particular screen gets known as an art screen, because that's mm. what it is, there is no advertising on it, it's purely for art, which is amazing. It's beautiful. And if only every, you know, every major <laughs> train station would have that, it would be amazing. Um, I think once it gets known as the space, as an art space, um, people will go there specifically to look at it. Mm. Interestingly, it has no sound. 
And I think that's a problem. I think the I think sound could immediately tell the passers-by that this is art, not advertising. Yeah, pull you up from you. So I I'm trying to get the, get them to think about sound, but I don't think I'll ever win it. I don't think they'll ever allow sound in that space, which is I think a shame. Will it be in terms of your works? Would it be your largest audience? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it was up for two months and it will come back as well. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely. When's it back? Um, not sure, actually. But I'm also going to make it into a gallery installation. So it will tour oh, amazing. as a multi-screened installation with sound. So I'm getting sound made for it. So that's exciting for me. Interesting to think of the sound as secondary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in terms of something that is dance, primarily, like music yeah. and sound and stuff kind of, they go together. Oh, but then sure to do. overlay it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it was really hard for me to make that film knowing that it would not have sound. I felt that, yeah, I felt kind of blind as I was making it. I, I felt, well, I felt deaf making it. You know, I felt like one of my senses had been completely, you know, disregarded. It felt terrible. So, anyway, a big challenge to do that. It made me realise how important sound is. It's amazing, though, how much the bodies speak without the sound. Yep, that's true. It is um, true. And that, that movement as they move across the space yeah. or the screens, yeah. um, I don't know, you do, it kind of invokes images and ideas of sound, the train going past. You yes. can almost hear the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not there. So it's, yeah, yeah, interesting process. Yeah, yeah, well... I learned so much from doing that, knowing that it would, yes, that I couldn't deal with sound. It forced me to make ed different editing decisions too. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, it was a great project. Um, and it opened another door for me as well. So, I've just made a film for the city of Sydney. So, oh, another great. public art project. So, that was, that was nice. Um, again, just to take my work out of the 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 zone of the dance world and yeah just to start to be out there more in the visual art public art um, realm uh, but still as a movement maker you know so for me I, it's great I feel like uh, I'm actually widening my audience for dance you know because the people that see these public art projects are yeah not used to going to see actual performance. Yeah, and I wonder if they actually perceive what they're watching as dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. You know, like in yeah. terms of do they do they label it? Do they how do they receive something? That yeah. Otherwise, in another sphere, they might not be receptive to yeah. or even buy a ticket to. Or... Yeah, no, that's right. You know, it's not highly structured choreographed dance by any means. It's very gestural, and because. Well, especially en route, that you know, because it was um, shot at 150 frames per second, so it's very ultra slow mo. Um, what it becomes is just an attention to detail of movement, rather mm. than rather than 
you know, um, complex dance movement, you know, that you might see at a performance. Mm. So maybe, yeah, maybe it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't um, scare people about dance. Because, you know, don't you think people are scared of contemporary dance? Mm. So many people say it to me. And I guess my, I am on a mission to <laughs> somehow show them that, you know, they don't have to be scared by it. Yeah, I'm of the view that most people, if they were actually sitting with somebody that could almost hold their hand, take them into these places, that they would be transformed and um, taken on a journey. They go in with an open mind and how you go from having that idea and buying a ticket and then actually going to (laughs) try something out, I don't know. That's right, rather than just that... That concern about being bewildered by it, yeah, by the language of it, you know, and the need to understand. I yes. think that's yeah. a big thing. That's I don't right. understand, or I don't mm. know what they're doing, and mm. uh, I would say dance program notes on a whole don't necessarily facilitate that, um, and maybe are more alienating than inviting. But yeah, because um, it depends on the yeah. audience. Life as an independent artist is hard <laughs> and increasingly getting harder. How do you do it? Yeah. And keep going and doing that without aggressive structures of yeah. organisations or systems of ongoing funding. And yeah. It's incredibly difficult. And, and you're right, it's getting harder. You know, when I started out doing this, once I left a company and had done my apprenticeship as a performer and as a young choreographer, and then I was lucky enough to actually have a company myself as artistic director. But once I'd left that in favour of independence and of the freedom and the creative... Well, the creative possibilities that independence bring um, brings, uh, once I'd... Oh, I don't know. Once I had... In those early years, I was sure it was going to get better. I was sure it was going to be easier, you know, for the next generation. But there is no way that you could say that that is the truth. It is by far harder now for for a young choreographer, a young independent artist to, to make it. It's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any answers about that. I I feel very privileged that I had the background that I had that gave me the necessary skills to survive. And I did. I was very lucky to have that. I was in a company that was set up to train young choreographers to survive. You know, and I have Nanette Hassel to thank for that, you know. It was an iconic, amazing idea for a company. Mm. It's, it's what we need now. But no one's prepared to put their life on the line and, and run such a company again. You know, she was way before her time. And, and that went throughout the 80s, which is bizarre because that was such a time of affluence, really. Um, but... So I guess maybe that is why it enabled that company to to survive and to to nurture people like me mm. and like Lucy Guerin and and Rebecca Hilton and you know 
many of us came out of that structure and have been able to survive. Mm. How that is replicated now, I don't know. I don't know. And I can keep surviving in Sydney just because I, I you know, I, I'm not a fledgling choreographer. I know how to, I know how to go and, and earn some money. I know how to write a grant. I know how to make it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I fear. I fear for the next generation of young choreographers. Um, what do you reckon? They, what needs to happen, or what do they, I guess, need to do to be prepared in this current climate? Uh, in this current climate, I think you need to have you need to have a way of making a living other than your dance, which is just terrible to say that because I've only ever made a living through my dance, you know, um, and I've I've got I guess I've achieved as much as I have because I've devoted my every waking hour to it, you know. Um, so if I had to go out and have a job to survive on, I guess, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I believe, you know, a city like Melbourne has many more structures and networking possibilities there that can support a young artist, make their work and provide context for their work to be shown. In other cities in Australia, we're not so lucky. You know, there are not that many opportunities. Mm. I think the importance of the training institutions like VCA and WAPA and, and others around the country are vital. Vital links into the, into the community and how they provide employment for choreographers to make some money teaching and choreographing. But, you know, in Sydney, we don't have anything like that. Are they also part of the problem as well in the sense that they're churning out so many people into an industry that is already... Yeah. ..doesn't have the jobs? I, don't, I mean, there's yeah. so many... As long as it's a good education, I think it has to be a great thing. Mm. I prefer to think of there needs to be more solution beyond that, you know? Let's... Because, you know, so many people have proven that that the arts are a value to the society you know we do generate incomes we do generate people spending money you know mm. so i don't know i think the government needs to get their act together and and really believe in the value of the arts more mm. and and put more money into it you know and provide more opportunities for artists to to Provide some tax breaks as well, you know, just create some opportunities. Let mm. these artists get out and make the work and put on their shows, invite audiences in, you know. I think that's where it should be solved rather yeah. than, yeah. Even the idea of, in terms of what you're saying, um, funds outside of the OSCOs and right. state-based bodies, right. you know, from rail companies and stuff, you know, yeah. seeing the value of the arts yeah. in different spaces and where they can add a social and community value outside of um, 
audience yes. or theatre or yes. reimagined. And I think that's a lot of what your work has done is reimagined yep. where performance can take place and who can watch it. And Absolutely. And, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think... F- and. And film has made it more viable for me to do that. Mm. It is easier to send a film out into different spaces rather than the live body. But but you can do that as well. So, yeah, I reckon that would be amazing if, if more corporations, more businesses, more local governments could see the potential mm. for, for art to enliven our cities and, you know, make it... Yeah, make this culture a, a, yeah, a more enlivened place to be. Yeah. And maybe the pitch from the industry too then also needs to improve and get better. Yeah. And that looking yeah. at, okay, what's a corporation yeah. need for them to take this yeah. up without us yeah. losing artistic integrity yeah, or value into, in what we're doing. Yes. So it's not just fluff. but <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, very importantly. Yeah. Because, yeah, we have to keep doing what we're doing. And I guess I, I feel very privileged that I've been able to do that, that, I, that new, new contexts are opening for me to show and create my work in, but I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm still as rigorous as I am if I was creating in a theatre. Yeah. You know, I still feel like I'm, yeah, trying to, you know, trying to push that even, even more, more so, actually. So what's next? Where are you pushing next? Yeah, well, actually, I'm, I've just been commissioned to make a work for the New Zealand Dance Company, which is a new, new-ish contemporary dance company, and it's a large-scale live work, which is fantastic for me to get my teeth into. Um, so eight dancers. I have a live orchestra playing on stage for me, which is just incredible. And I've also got live, sorry, I've also got film element also, which I'm not making. Someone else is making. So that's interesting for me as well. Wow. I have to give over to someone else, to, which is tricky because I am, you know, I've had visual control <laughs> in all my recent work. Um, I do have visual control, of course, but um, yeah, it's great to work with this. Yeah. This. When does this go up? Uh, next month, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, I, I make it in May. It, it premieres in June. Where's it yeah. set? Uh, it's in Auckland. Yeah. And then it will tour the country, which is nice. Tour New Zealand. Who knows? It might even come here. Maybe. We'll see. But um, so that's that's a major work I've got to do. But. The biggest um, gig I've ever had, I'm in the process of now, and it's recreating my on-view work uh, in Asia. So I made this major work here a couple of years ago with five Australian amazing artists, and I'm now creating a version of that in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, and possibly Japan. And so I make filmed portraits of artists in each of these countries. I then create video installations of these artists and then the whole lot and then live works in each country. And then the whole event brings my Australians into the mix. And we open one of the new venues in West Kowloon, 
they're building this incredible precinct there. So, yeah, it's bigger than Ben-Hur, this work for me. And it is a four-year project, so I've never, ever experienced such a... Um, a lengthy gestation period for my work. It's terrifying how to keep the momentum going. How far but, into the four years? Uh, I'm into the second year. Yeah. And so we have our first outing in Hong Kong this year. So I'm doing a, a live performance installation with five of the artists. Um, but then we keep building it. And so the grand finale is 2019. That's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So that is so incredible for me, but it does painfully make me aware of the lack of opportunity here. Back to your other question, you know, where, where we don't seem to be ever being able to look forward in such a fashion, whereas especially it's run by this woman in Hong Kong, you know, and their vision is incredible because they are building the biggest cultural precinct in the world, and so they're building these, you know, think the Opera House times five, mm. five different venues on the foreshore of West Kowloon. But they're not just building venues, they are creating the art to go into the venues. Mm. So it's, it's mind-blowing and, and so it's such a privilege for me to be a part of it. But um, oh, it makes me wish we could be, have the same vision here. Thanks for listening. You'll find a list of episode notes at delvingintodance.com where you'll also find links to Sue's work. Stay tuned for the next episode with the incredible Meryl Tankard where we explore her time working with Pina Bausch, her work at the Australian Dance Theatre, making dance for film, alongside issues of gender and dance, and a whole lot more. Until then, check out Delving Into Dance on Twitter at Delving Dance. On Facebook, just search Delving Into Dance. Subscribe on iTunes and other podcast platforms. Now lastly, one little favour. Delving Into Dance has zero budget, so help spread the love, share these episodes with friends, and until next time, take care.